I want to talk to you tonight, Judges chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, whatever, Judges chapter 4. We're going to actually talk about two different women tonight. We're going to talk about Deborah, and most of you are familiar with Deborah. If you're not familiar with Deborah, you will be by the end of, the, of, of this uh, little lesson here, I promise you. And the second person that we're going to talk about is someone who helps Deborah, and Deborah doesn't even know it's coming, and it's one of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible. It's pretty cool. Where's our kids at? All right, they're back there. Just keep on playing. <clears throat> Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. There's something we've got to kind of set the table before we really go in to understand what's happening here. And the first thing that you need to understand is Israel is coming out of 80 years of peace. 80 years of peace. Now, what happens whenever there's a long span of peace? Anybody know? People start fighting, right? What happens is when God blesses you for a really long time, you start to think for yourself that you're doing it all pretty good on your own. And you really don't need God that much. That's exactly what's happening with Israel at this moment. Israel, as we've seen and we see in Scripture over and over again, Israel is a great example of exactly how we live our life. Israel has, has lived in this moment of peace for so long. New generations have come, and they really don't understand where this nation has come from, where God has brought them out of. And there's many in the younger generation that really don't see it and don't get it. And truthfully, they've lived in peace for a long time. And so God decides in the beginning of Judges chapter 4 that he sees the Israelites doing all of this evil, and so he decides to give them to Yabin. Yabin is a king of the Canaanites, and so he comes, and he takes over. He has this general, he has this commander of his army, and his, his name is Sisera. And the thing about Sisera is, Sisera really loves his 900 iron chariots, right? He's very proud of these 900 iron chariots because he can wreak havoc with the Israelites. And for 20 years, he does exactly that. For 20 years, he holds them captive. For 20 years, he drives them mad. For 20 years, he persecutes them. And so what do they do? They begin to beg to God to deliver them from the hands of evil Sisera. All of a sudden, after 80 years of peace... They forgot God. And now when these horrible tragedies are befalling their nation, now they're screaming out to God again. Now God has put someone on the judge's panel who he really comes to in this moment and really begins to tell her and to describe to her exactly how it is that God is going to bring them out of this. Because God hears Deborah. And let's, let's begin to pick this up. Judges chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Deborah sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, It has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you, Go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take ten companies of soldiers from Naphtali and Zebulun. 
I'll take care of getting Sisera, the leader of Yabin's army, to the Kishon River with all his chariots and troops, and I'll make sure you win the battle. Now understand this. God tells Deborah this. And Deborah, who is a judge of the Israelites, who the Israelites, men and women, listen, men and women, go to in order to find out what the word is from God in their disputes and in the things that are going on in their lives. God has set this woman up in this nation to be his voice piece. And she tells Barak, this is what you have to do. God says, get an army. And says this, I'm going to go before you and I'm going to get Sisera, who they are scared to death of, right? And these 900 mighty iron chariots. I'm going to get him and I'm going to make sure that you win this battle. Now I want you to see what Barak says next, okay? Because it's huge in our story here. Barak says this, verse 8. Now, mind you, this is who God has handpicked to lead this Israelite army. And he says this, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, what's he saying there? He's saying this, Deborah, I want you to understand that I get it. I want you to understand that I see God working in you. I know that God speaks through you. I know that God is in you. And I know that if you are with me, I'll be just fine. Because if you are with me, I will know that God is with me. But if you don't go, I'm not going. Here's this great man that God has called to lead this great army into this great battle to take back God's nation. And he says, I'm not going unless she's going. Right? Here's what she says, verse 9. Of course I'll go with you, but understand that with an attitude like that, there is no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sisera. Now, how many men do you know? How many great warriors, strong, bold men, you know, home improvement, all oh, 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 type men, do you know that are going to find a woman judge and say, I'm not going unless she goes. And then she goes, okay, listen, I'll go. But you need to know that all these people in this mighty nation who think right now that you're some big bad dude, they're all going to say, you were too scared to go without that woman. And that woman is going to get all the credit. Now I want you to notice that after that, Barack said, you know what, you're right, never mind. Uh, I'll just go on my own right? No. We don't see any other conversation from Barack. Do you know why I believe that is? Because I believe he went, okay, <laughs> that's fine. So what do we read next? Deborah got ready and went with Barack to Kadesh. Barack called Zebulon and Naphtali together at Kadesh, and 10 companies of men followed him, and Deborah was with him. Verse 11. 
It happened that a bear in Kenite had parted company with the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' in-law, and he was now living at Zenanim, Oak, near Kadesh. And they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera immediately called up all his chariots to the Kishon River, 900 iron chariots, along with all his troops who were there with him. What's happening here? Because there's a lot of big words and a lot of big names, right? What's happening is this. God has got everything in motion. And God has sent Sisera to this specific place because he knew it wasn't that far from where he told Barak to go, right? And so now Barak is in motion and going, and God begins to weave this woven quilt in front of Sisera and to say, now it's your time, go and get him. Verse 14, Deborah says to Barak, charge, this very day God has given you victory over Sisera. Isn't God marching before you? And Barak charged down the slopes of Mount Tabor, his ten companies following him. What we see here is really simple, and that's this. Barak had confidence in Deborah because Deborah was full of God. Therefore, Barak has confidence in God. And when Deborah says, it's time to get up and go, what does Barak do? He goes, right? Barak is taking his command from a woman judge. He is moving his army because of a woman judge who is telling him something very huge that we all need to listen to and understand as we move forward in our daily life. Understand this, Barak. You will win this battle because God has prepared the way and has gone before you. Too many times in our daily walk, we have such great fear. We believe that we have such great inadequacy. We do not see our value. We do not feel our worth. If we only understood what Barak understood, what Deborah understood, and that was this, that there is no way you can fail because God has gone before you. There's no way you can fail because God has gone before you. And Barak takes that first step forward. He charges his army down that hill on the promise that God has gone before me. The confidence that God has gone before me. In verse 15, what happens? God routed Sisera. God routed Sisera. Do you remember what Deborah said? Deborah said, listen, if you want me to go with you, I'll go with you. But you need to understand that you're not going to get any of the glory. Right? A woman's going to get the glory. And why does she get the glory? She got the glory because she communicated with God. God and her spirit were one. And in her communications, in her leading of this army, God receives full credit of what exactly happened here. And what happened here? Barak and his army routed, no, God routed 
Sisera. And all those chariots and all those troops that were before Barak. And look what Sisera did. Sisera jumped out of his chariot and did what? Ran. Here comes my favorite part. Barak chased the chariots and troops all the way to Herosheth, Hagon. Sisera's entire fighting force was killed. Not one man left. Meanwhile, I love meanwhile because it always feels like the, uh, the, the Batman or the meanwhile. Sisera, running for his life, headed for the tent of, here we go, Hael. Now listen to me. Hael is one of my favorite characters of the Bible because I truly believe when I read this story, I don't know that she really had any idea of how intense this next moment was going to be because it starts off so sweet, right? It starts off so innocent, and here's what happens. Meanwhile, running for his life, headed to the tent of Hael, wife of Heber the Kenite, Habin, king of Hazor, and Heber the Kenite were on good terms. In other words, they were allies. And so Sisera wasn't afraid to go into this village and wasn't afraid to go into this tent. And so Hael stepped out to meet Sisera and said, come on in, sir. Stay in here with me. Don't be afraid. Why would he be afraid? Because they're allies in this, right? And so he comes into the tent and she covers him with a blanket and he says to her, please, a little water. I'm thirsty. And she opens a bottle of milk and gives him a drink and then covers him up again. And in my mind, I just imagine, you know, like you see the grandmas in the movies. You know, they give him the little sip of milk and she's tucking in the blanket around him, right? And she's like, oh, it's okay. She's petting his head. It's okay. And he said, stand at the tent flap. And if anyone comes by and asks you, is there anyone here, tell him, no, not a soul. And then while he was fast asleep from exhaustion, Hael, wife of Heber, took a tent peg and a hammer, tiptoed toward him, and drove the tent peg through his temple and all the way into the ground. He convulsed and died. We went from grandma tucking him into bed to tent peg in the head. Barak arrived in pursuit of Cicero and Hael went out to greet him. Now at this moment, Barak doesn't know what's going on, but when I'm reading this portion of scripture, I'm like, Barak, run, man, run. (laughs) Because when she comes out to greet you, it is not a good thing. She said, come, and I'll show you the man that you're looking for. And he went with her, and there he was, Sisera, stretched out, dead, with a tent peg through his temple. And on that day, God subdued Yabin, king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the people of Israel pressed harder and harder on Yabin, king of Canaan, until there was nothing of him left. Now i got to tell you, when you talk about amazing women of the Bible, there are two in that one chapter of Scripture 
that should really stand out to you. Deborah, this mighty judge of Israel, and Hael, this woman that you want to avoid at all cost <laughs> if you are on the wrong side of God. Right? Do not fall asleep in Hael's tent, whatever you do. T.D. Jakes has a book called God's Leading Lady. And if you are not familiar with T.D. Jakes, get familiar. He writes in this book about the importance of us all understanding how important women are in the vision of God and how important women were in the vision of God. And I think sometimes we read certain letters from Paul and some of the things that Paul says, and we take those out of context, and we say that women can't do particular things in the church, and women can't say particular things in the church. And I think it's important for us to understand, to look back, and to know that God uses women, amazing women, women that have some of the same problems, some of the same skills, some of the same determination, if not more, than many of the men that are in the Bible. And one thing that we need to understand and, 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 and really grab a hold of is, sometimes the situations happen as they may be. Women experience many different challenges that men do. Men are, in most cases, brought up by their mother or father to be strong. They're told, in most cases, you can be strong. You can do it right. You now, you may get beat into you different than the guy down the block, but you're brought up in a different way than women are. Women are often so beaten down by the time they get through their teenage years that as they become women in the church, as they become women in a movement, there are so many things that our society has compressed upon them in the way that they should be and, and should be moving forward. And T.D. Jakes, in, in such a beautiful way, says it this way about becoming a leading lady in God's church. He says, to become a leading lady, you must raise the curtain and step forward. You must extend yourself beyond the self-imposed limits, the external pressures, and the patriarchal authoritarian control. You must strip away all traces of self-doubt and fear, don't let yourself get weighted down by crushing despair over the way things are and defenseless resignation to glass ceilings and kitchen confinement. It is your time to soar. You must begin by separating fact from fiction and realize that our Lord created you in his image as a female for a distinct and sacred purpose. God is no respecter of gender distinctions when regarding his call to greatness. He calls and uses women and men with equal pleasure and glorification to himself. I don't think God stopped to consider whether or not Mother Teresa would be limited in caring for thousands of infected and dying outcasts and inspiring countless others because she was a woman. I don't believe he paused to second guess whether Harriet Tubman had the strength as a woman to lead hundreds of runaway slaves to freedom through the dark, treacherous outposts of the Underground Railroad. God consistently shows himself as a father who gives generously and equally, even when gifting in different ways to both his sons and his daughters. 
Amen? Amen. There's one thing as we move forward. There's one reason why it was so important to me that we shared and we understand the power and the glory that God possesses in these amazing women in Scripture. And that is this. That as we move forward as a church, we have to understand that the amazing women of One Love Church have to hold the powerful leadership positions that God puts forth before them. And we will not be a church that separates whether or not you're a man or a woman to what God has called you to do.